How could successful fashion icons Domencio Dolce and Stefano Gabbana find themselves dressed walking the runway in prison stripes? This will be the question we are answering in today's episode. Domencio Dolce spent his childhood days in Sicily where his family owned a small clothing business. His passions and skills were cultivated from an early age where he designed and created his first garment at the young age of six. Meanwhile, on the other side of Italy, in Milan, where Stefano Gabbana grew up, he studied art and graphics. Eventually, he decided to drop his art vocation and pursue his real passion, which was fashion. They first met in 1980 in a club and later worked as assistant designers for the same fashion house, where their relationship flourished, personally and professionally. After a few years of working together, they determined their passion to make a name for themselves was enough to convince them to quit their jobs, which we all know is a risky and confident move. In 1982, they opened a designer consultation studio together. Their passion and focus, and obviously a keen sense of style, led them to launching Dolce & Gabbana in 1985. Dolce & Gabbana is a luxury fashion house commonly recognized as one of the most famous brands in the world. Established in its vision, Dolce & Gabbana hones a brand logo that has remained unchanged since the day it was founded in 1985. This is not an easy feat in the ever-changing world of marketing and brand awareness techniques. Is there a lesson in this proof? Created with a theme of modernity and timelessness, It certainly has succeeded in upholding these standards. In 1989, Domencio Dolce and Stefano Gabbana opened their first boutique together. But instead of opening it in their hometown in Italy, they opened their first store in Tokyo, Japan. They definitely had a keen sense of their market and were willing to take risks to prove their confidence. During the 35 years since this powerhouse emerged, Dolce & Gabbana now has over 1,000 boutiques in almost 100 countries worldwide, but their growth and success over these 35 years didn't come without their share of controversy. What happened during this time period that put Dolce & Gabbana on the catwalk wearing shackles and stripes? That is definitely the key question of our podcast and the heart of our investigation. Before my research, I really only knew two things about Dolce & Gabbana. Of course, the steep price tag associated with the name and the brand, and the fact that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker got married there. So it was super interesting to learn that one of them was actually in the military and that they had a workplace romance in Milan. Um, So thanks, Lily, for teaching me a little bit more about the brand and its history. I'm going to get into the beginning of the investigation and how this whole um, thing starts. So, the Dolce & Gabbana case begins with a business decision made in 2004. D&G decided to sell their company to Gatto, a Luxembourg-based holding company, which allowed them to avoid declaring taxes on royalties of around $1.3 billion. That's a lot of money. And the investigation began in 2008 as Italian authorities began to harshly review tax evasion due to the financial crisis at the time. And in my research, it seemed like some other big companies were kind of um, 
being looked into, but Dolce & Gabbana really got the heat on this one, and it seems like it was kind of the only one to come to fruition, in a sense. And so, two lower Italian courts found them guilty, and the duo was given a 20-month sus- suspended sentence. Um, and they were not happy with this at all. They remained, um, they kept their innocence throughout um, the whole thing. And so, the purpose of the move to Luxembourg is that it's known as a tax haven because non-residents only have to pay taxes on income earned in the country, which is a reasonable reasonable motive for the move, um, looking at it from kind of more of a lawyer's perspective. And so the issue with this move is that the Luxembourg Dolce & Gabbana office wasn't really an office. Um, the only employee was a secretary, and there was no administrative structure. So the question comes in, was it actually a company? And that's what Robert will get into. He'll talk more about the Italian Supreme Court and um, ultimately the ruling. After news of the investigation leaked and throughout the legal process, Dolce and Gabbana denied all of the charges they were facing. In 2011, a Milan court threw the case out based on a lack of evidence. However, the Italian Supreme Court later reversed that ruling and ordered the charge of tax evasion to be tried again in the courts. The charge of tax fraud was allowed to be dropped. In the decision accompanying the ruling to send the case back to the lower courts, the judge said, Taxpayers cannot be prosecuted for all forms of tax avoidance, only the avoidance patterns specifically against the law. After more legal battles, in June of 2013 a verdict was reached. Dolce and Gabbana were found guilty of tax evasion by a regional court. They were given a 20-month prison sentence that was later reduced to 18 months by a different court. However, due to technicalities within the Italian legal system, Dolce and Gabbana would not face prison time until the potential conviction was finalized. Dolce and Gabbana filed an appeal of the regional court's ruling, which sent the case before the Italian Supreme Court once again. In October of 2014, the Supreme Court finally announced the verdict. Dolce and Gabbana were not guilty of tax evasion. The convictions of the lower court were to be overturned, and the pair would not have to serve their jail sentences. The Supreme Court ruled that the fact that a company is established in another European Union member state to benefit from more advantageous tax legislation does not as such constitute an abuse of the freedom of establishment. The ruling added, Taking advantage of a fiscally beneficial situation is only illegal if it is not consistent with reality. Essentially, the court found that while the company used tax advantages to their benefit, there was no clear intent to evade taxation, which would have made them subject to criminal prosecution otherwise. While Dolce and Gabbana were cleared of all their criminal charges, the brand still had to pay a separate fine of approximately 343 million euros to the Italian tax agency. And now Kai Ming will talk about how the Dolce and Gabbana decision has impacted corporations and tax legislation since then. Dolce and Gabbana's tax avoidance incident in Luxembourg has several impacts on society. It shows how tax haven like Luxembourg can enable companies to reduce their tax burden and avoid paying taxes in the countries where they do business, which can have a negative impact on the tax revenues of those countries. Another example is Amazon. There are similarities between Dolce and Gabbana's tax avoidance in Luxembourg and Amazon's tax avoidance practices in the country. Just like Dolce and Gabbana, 
Amazon has established a subsidiary in Luxembourg, which used to manage its European operations and take advantage of the country's favorable tax laws. As a result, in 2019, Amazon paid zero in U.S. federal tax income on more than 11 billion in profit before taxes. The incident also led to increased scrutiny of tax avoidance by multinational corporations, by governments, and regulatory bodies around the world. Many countries have since introduced new laws and regulations aimed at curbing tax avoidance by companies, and tax authorities have become more proactive in. Investigating and prosecuting companies that engage in such practices, the United States has taken several steps to regulate tax avoidance for companies in Luxembourg and other tax-haven countries. So here are some examples. In 2017, the United States passed tax reform legislation, which included several measures to address tax avoidance by multinational corporations. One of those measures was introduction of a minimum tax on foreign earnings of U.S. companies, which was intended to prevent companies from shifting profits to low-tax countries like Luxembourg. And also, the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act requires foreign financial institutions, including those in Luxembourg, to report information about U.S. account holders to the U.S. government. This is intended to prevent U.S. citizens and companies from hiding assets in offshore accounts and avoiding U.S. taxes. The last one is increased enforcement. The U.S. government has also increased its enforcement efforts to crack down on tax avoidance by multinational corporations. This includes investigating companies for using complex corporation structures and transfer pricing to avoid paying taxes. Overall, the United States is actively working to regulate tax avoidance by companies in Luxembourg and other tax-haven countries. However, the effectiveness of those measures is still a subject of debate, and many experts argue that more needs to be done to address. Wow. A lot of information. I'll say, with their wealth, did come increased scrutiny. The duo spent several years battling the charges, which appear to be resolved in their favor. However, they did find themselves entangled in a tax nightmare. Regardless, the brand still continues to thrive till this day. So, now that we know that prison stripes weren't worn for very long by Dolce and Gabbana, come back next week to learn about the top ten tax evasion scandals of all time. Thank you for listening. See you next week.